Welcome to the Innovation and Compliance Podcast, part of the Compliance Podcast Network. Join us every week as we talk with industry innovators who are making compliance to help business run more efficiently and at the end of the day, more profitably. Here's your host, Tom Fox. Hello, everyone. This is Tom Fox back for another episode. Today, I am extraordinarily pleased to have with me Lisa Beth Lantini Walker. She's a longtime compliance professional and someone who I have followed on social media. So, Lisa Beth, with that incredibly long-winded introduction, first of all, welcome and thank you for taking the time to visit with me today. Thank you for having me. So we've both been in this space for some time, but I was wondering if you could tell our listeners a little bit about your professional background. Sure. So I actually started very early on in the markets. So I was a broker before I decided that I was going to go to law school. And I originally thought I was going to law school to be a maritime lawyer. And it's kind of funny how things work out. Um, Excuse me, uh, aren't you in Minnesota? (laughs) I am. I am. But I love the ocean and I love seaways and everything like that. And I thought, wow, maritime law would be just so cool. You know, you get to be around boats, you get to be around water. And then I discovered that I really didn't like to practice a law in that. So uh, I decided to go back to what I knew, which was the financial markets. I went down to Tulane because they had a great admiralty program, but they also have a great law school and business school. So I enjoyed my time down in New Orleans and then headed over to Washington, D.C. And the funny part about that was when I was at Tulane, everyone teased me because I was not going to work in Texas for Enron or Dynegy at the time. And they just thought it was hilarious that I was going to be this lowly federal employee and who would ever want to work for the SEC? Well. You know, as luck would have it, the SEC was a pretty good place to be at that time. And it was the era of Sarbanes-Oxley and just a lot was going on in the world. And, you know, unfortunately for the folks that headed over to uh, Enron, it was not a great time to be at Enron or Dynegy or anyplace else, really. So my best friend from my little hometown was the general counsel at Dynegy at that time frame. So I know of when you speak. Tough, 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 tough time. And, you know, there were so many fantastic people that were impacted during the start of 2001 by all of the things that were going on within the United States. So I was happy to be at the SEC and I learned a lot and enjoyed it there and then eventually ended up over at Best Buy as their first in-house securities lawyer. And started working in environmental, social, and governance, working with a lot of corporate finance transactions, working with the board. And then I started my compliance work, right? It was a time when Best Buy was entering China and there were all of these new rules around the FCPA and other issues. And and that's where it really started. And I just have loved every minute of being in the compliance space. Compliance and ethics has really been just such a wonderful part of my career. What are you doing these days? So these days, I actually own my own compliance, ethics, and corporate governance consulting firm. I work for a company that's called Lumen Worldwide Endeavors. I founded it. And we've been working with a lot of different companies on third-party oversight, environmental social governance, implementing privacy programs. And what I love to do is be a translator sit between the company and the law firm that they've retained and be able to tell them how to make the legal opinions that they've received come to life. 
And so it's been a wonderful time. Lumen Worldwide Endeavors is fortunately one of those companies that is continuing to grow and thrive during even this really challenging period. And that challenging period brings up a topic I wanted to visit with you about, which is your other endeavor. Yes. Yes. You started, I can't remember when, but you were the first person that really had not the compliance thought of the day, but the compliance well-being thought of the day is how I characterized it. Tell us kind of how you started with that, thinking about the health, well-being, and mental wellness of compliance officers and how this has led to this new endeavor for you. Well, I have always thought that we needed to pay more attention to human beings because human beings are what makes the world go round. And it's really important for compliance and ethics professionals to be at their best. So I, a while ago, decided that it was important for me to understand more, both for my own benefit and for the benefit of those that I work with. So I became a nationally board certified health and wellness coach. And around that time, my now business partner, Dan, and I imagined up this concept. We, we thought about all of the things that we wish had existed when we were new in our own profession. So my business partner, Dan, is currently the chief information security officer on an interim basis at Michigan State, and he runs a information security consulting practice. And so we started talking about the things that we wish we had and how we wish we had been able to connect earlier in our professional lives with better well-being outcomes. So we see this convergence of the profession and we see something that we think is being missed. So for lawyers, in 2018, the ABA came out with a well-being pledge because what they found was that lawyers have higher incidence of depression, anxiety, and addiction. And there are a ton of resources available to lawyers through programs like Lawyers Concerned for Lawyers and other ways that they start to talk about this impact in the well-being of attorneys. But we haven't seen that talked about for compliance professionals. And what I'm seeing anecdotally, and I think that studies will show out over time, is that compliance professionals are in a very isolating profession. We often have to be the adult in the room. We often have to be the person who says no when we really need to say no. And that sense of isolation is something that I think we can do something about. I think we can come together and make sure that the profession is more sustainable, welcoming, accessible and inclusive. And because of this, MentorCore was born. And my own perspective is if we're truly the guardians of corporations and the organizations that we work for, we can't be the cobbler's children. We need to find better ways to support and connect and include and reduce that sense of isolation, reduce the chance of there being burnout and poor health outcomes. So that's why we started MentorCore. And what's the mission of it going forward, Lisa Beth? So MentorCore is really founded on four pillars. The mission of it is to help connect and develop community and help develop the people within the profession, not from a technical standpoint, because there are wonderful, wonderful resources out there to help people from a technical standpoint. What we're looking at is the human aspects. How do you develop that emotional intelligence so that compliance and risk professionals can be able to withstand and be resilient 
to the pressures and stresses that exist by the very nature of the profession. So the four pillars that we talk about are mentoring, learning, community, and development. And the mentoring element of this is one of my own personal wishes that I had had, which is an ability to identify who would be happy to be a mentor and have some skills and desire to play that role. Because I always found that asking somebody to be a mentor was kind of like this awkward dance where you're trying to have somebody dance with you, but you don't even know if they're remotely interested. And just made you feel like I was back in like first grade saying, will you go with me? Click yes or no. So I want to reduce the awkwardness of that and bring people together because I think together we can be stronger. So that's a little bit about MentorCore. Why should a compliance professional join MentorCore? Well, I think there are a lot of reasons why a compliance professional should join MentorCore. One of the things that MentorCore is doing is trying to increase the diversity of our social networks to reduce the network gap. So networks are really important in a career, whether it's during hiring or a transition period, whether you're an individual contributor or a people leader. And LinkedIn actually found that there's real importance to a network. And the three strongest factors for your network are geographic and socioeconomic, so what you were born into, whether you have a high-income neighborhood or not. And that makes you more likely, if you were from a high-income neighborhood, to have a really strong network. The second one is what schools you went to. And the third one is what companies you've worked for. So if you've worked for really big companies, there's this multiplier effect to your network. And so one of the things that MentorCore is doing is we are trying to bring people together to expand those networks meaningfully, to provide better access, to provide better resilience to this community by connecting outside of what might be your normal network of geographic school company, you're able to provide a better outcome to the profession. If we're linked together, we will be able to withstand some of the challenges in the profession and improve outcomes overall. So that's what MentorCore is trying to do. And I think that it provide some really deep and meaningful professional connections because a lot of times with professional networking, you don't end up spending much time talking to each other. And so we're trying to change that dynamic and create a virtuous cycle where people who want to grow and develop can find ways to do that meaningfully and find sponsorship and mentorship in the process. At the end of this podcast, I was going to ask how a listener could join, but I've changed my mind. I'm going to ask how I could join. <laughs> um, but you used a phrase, uh, let me see if I wrote it down right. And if I did, if you could explain it a little bit. It was reduce the network cap. Gap. Gap. Okay. Yes, reduce the network gap. What's a network gap? So the network gap is really tied to factors that some of which may be partially out of your control. Network gap, and this is part of the reason that founder of LinkedIn has stepped down and moved into a diversity role, is that they were finding more and more that even with connecting group like LinkedIn, there are still perpetual gaps in networking that are related to factors like your geographic socioeconomic birth, right? Where you were born actually does matter in what your network looks like. 
Same with what school you went to. Maybe you were a legacy and you happened to get into a school that has a really strong network. Maybe you happened to get into a company because you knew the right people. If you don't have those connections, oftentimes you don't have the same opportunities. And one of the things that I've heard, I'm in Minnesota, and one of the things that I've heard is that we're creating these systems that perpetuate inequality. Well, we need to do things about that. Part of that is expanding your own horizon and expanding your own network and making sure that you're connecting with people who you wouldn't naturally come into contact with based on your geography, school, or the company you work for. So I think that we have a real opportunity to try to find ways to reduce that network gap and break down barriers that prohibit really talented people from living to the utmost and being able to achieve the career successes that they want. I think you see it a lot in the C-suite. Like if you haven't been a member of the C-suite before, it's really hard to get into those positions. Same with board membership. If you haven't been on a board before, it's really hard to get into those positions. We need to be doing more, particularly in our profession as ambassadors of culture and ambassadors of codes of ethics. There are other ways that we need to address these problems, both personally and within the profession. I was also intrigued. You put out a short infographic on digital health. Yes. And how that relates to everything MentorCore is trying to move forward and discuss. Could you tell us how you can improve your digital health? Absolutely. So this actually came about because we had a wonderful guest at one of our events. We have events almost every week. And our guest was Brian Martinez, and he was talking about digital well-being. At this time, more than ever, digital well-being is something that is impacting pretty much everyone, whether you're a student or a professional. You're on your screens a lot more to connect with people and to make sure that you understand what's going on. So we took the information from that event, and if you haven't listened to it, it actually was a really lovely event, to find five key ways that you need to take charge of your digital well-being. The first one is to decide that you're going to focus the time when you are on your screens and that you aren't going to allow screen time to carry over into what should be other activities, whether it's dinner or time with the people in your life, limit that screen time so that you're not having it be a perpetual feed and decide when you're going to consume different types of media. We also encourage as the second element you to unplug. Just give yourself a rest every once in a while, whether it's on a weekend, give yourself a nice block where you're just completely getting rid of the electronics. We also think it's really important for you to focus on physical health. And that may mean I talk to a number of people who take a walk after they are, quote unquote, done with their day to reset and get into now it's time to be away from work mode. <laughs> but whatever that physical health element is, you really need to focus on that. From a mental health perspective, anxiety, depression, and addiction can be exacerbated by device usage. So there are apps that you can use to limit that time to find relaxation and meditation to help support you. And finally, 
life's all about having some type of balance, right? There's never a perfect balance, but you should be thinking about whether the digital part of your life is taking over everything and whether you've found what's going to work for you from a overall holistic well-being standpoint. What has been the response from the compliance community around not simply MentorCore, but really this message that you're bringing of well-being, not just even well-being on balance, but down to the detail of digital well-being? What's been the response to you and, and Dan? There has been an overwhelming support and encouragement. I think that this message resonates with so many people. And frankly, now more than ever, the pandemic has caused us all to change a lot of what we're doing. And that uncertainty and requirement to create new neural pathways because we're not in our standard processes has created a lot of stress, a lot of stress and anxiety. And people are identifying the stress and anxiety and not quite sure how to deal with it. We also are seeing that the people that you interact with in your business are often stressed as well. So the techniques that we talk about, the ways that people can improve themselves and improve their profession and help drive better outcomes are all things that have been very well received. So what are some of the resources that are available on the MentorCore website, Lisa? On the MentorCore website, you can find the links to all of our events So you can go back and watch our old events on Vimeo or YouTube. And there are also blogs up there. Behind the membership wall, there is a membership discussion board and a number of resources, including infographics from all of our different events. And we're encouraging people to sign up for our newsletter where we're putting out some of these resources and connecting people regularly. I will have to tell you that in all my years of podcasting, I've never interviewed someone and immediately after the conclusion of the podcast signed up for their services. (laughs) So unfortunately, we're near the end of our time, but I'm to the point that I'm to the exciting point where I'm going to ask you, how do I and anyone else who's listening to this become a member of MentorCore? It's very easy. And this summer we have a special. So it's a great price point because we want to make sure that it continues to be accessible. You go to mentorcore.biz and you can immediately find the join button there. You can also see the events that we're hosting at mentorcore.eventbrite.com. And you can always follow us on social media. We're on LinkedIn, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, and Vimeo. So there are lots of ways to find us. And if all else fails, People can always connect with me on LinkedIn, and I'm happy to tell them more through a direct message. So plenty of ways to engage. And we are always looking for people who are willing to be mentors and who want to help mold the profession in ways that allow people coming in, people transitioning in, and the people who live, work, breathe compliance and ethics to be happier, healthier, and have those resources available to them to expand their lives and careers. And also, I don't think I've ever said this in the conclusion of a podcast. Thank you for doing this. This is absolutely needed within the compliance community. I'm aware of some of the services that are available to lawyers through state bars, but you're absolutely right. No one within the greater compliance community certainly has set up anything like this. So 
I hope that as we move forward into the end of 2020 and perhaps into 2021, I might call upon you to come back and give us an update. I would love that. Thanks so much for having me today. If you want to stay up to date on the latest innovations in compliance and help your business run more efficiently, subscribe to this podcast and help spread the word by leaving a review.